0: Think about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, it doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. Those black eyes roll over white. And then oh, then you hear that terrible high pitched screaming The ocean turns red and spite of all the pounding and the hollering and they come in and they rip you to pieces. You know, by the end of that first dawn, lost 100 men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men, they, they averaged six an hour. On Thursday morning, Chief, I, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland, baseball player, Boatswain's mate, thought he was asleep, reached over to wake him up, bombed up and down, the water's like a kind of top, upended, well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, a Lockheed Ventura sauce, he swung low and he saw a young pilot. A lot younger than Mr. Hooper here. Anyway, you saw us come in low and three hours later, big fat PBY comes down and starts to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life vest again. So 1100 men went in the water. 316 men came out. Sharks took the rest, June 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the greatest movie of all time today on the show. Jaws.
1: It's the greatest movie podcast it's the greatest movie the greatest is the greatest Come on and movie movie podcast. Podcast. It's it's the, the
0: Welcome to The Greatest Movie of All Time, the podcast in which I, your co-host, the great white Rick Barrasso.
1: And I, your favorite co-host, Wreck.
2: Me, Tipsy Eclair.
1: T- yes, we get uh, a
0: very special guest on the show here, Renit Hasson, uh, aka Tipsy Eclair. Derek, somehow she's been on the show, I mean... That was her first line. She's already got a better nickname than both of us. So I don't know how that worked. That's fine.
2: In oscillating between that and Eclair Moldovia. I think I'm going to stick with Eclair Moldovia. Um, you
0: say Claire Moldovia or Eclair Moldovia?
2: Eclair Moldovia. Okay. okay.
0: okay. With like an, the pastry. A couple
2: of accents on those it, You know, I
1: haven't had an Eclair in years, and I'm going to keep it that way.
0: We're pro-Eclair podcast, I don't know. See,
1: I I don't know, I just think it's like the, it's like the lower half of the pastry. Like, I used to like, when I was a kid and as I got older, I'm like, there's not enough going on here in this pastry.
2: And that's why you're Eclair's first victim.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, anyway, this is the podcast, we're going to watch
0: every single movie ever made, and we are going to help decide which is the greatest
1: of them all. Today we've got Jaws, Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. How are you guys doing today? Well, we set off on the wrong foot, and it's it might just keep going that way.
0: We're keeping on the right foot is what happened. All right. So, Roni, how are you today? Welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I am excited to talk about Jaws today with you two, because we are going to board the orca with that one. But let's take care of some business first. Last week's episode was all about Blade Runner, one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Check that one out or any of our library on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use to listen to fine podcasts. Subscribe and review if you can. It'd be extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed it, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We're the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook, at Great Moviecast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. You can email us at GreatestMoviePod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, as our good old friend Bruce Wayne would say tell your friends about us but today we go swimming with bow-legged women because today is Jaws day Jaws is a 1975 horror adventure movie directed by Steve something if Fe- you know I'm kidding future guests of the show open invitation Steven Spielberg please come on the show It stars Roy Scheider as Martin Brody, Richard Dreyfuss as Matt Hooper, and Robert Shaw as Quint. It's adapted from a novel of the same name by Peter Benchley. It has an 8 on IMDb, a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 87% on Metacritic. Ebert, Mm. 4 out of 4, sensationally effective. The Demon himself, Gene Siskel, 3 out of 4 stars, said it evokes a primordial fear, and I found a negative review. Charles, I believe it's Champlin, who I think is from he is from a newspaper. I forgot to know which one it is. He said it was boring on shore and the action was excessive at sea. So, Ronit, I sent you the list of movies we were doing. And you almost immediately chose Jaws. Why Jaws?
2: So that was, that was a tough one because Goodfellas is my favorite Scorsese movie. And one of my, one of my faves to like just rewatch in general, but there's something really like psychologically fascinating that occurs in, in Jaws on, on a whole bunch of levels that I think it begs for just a deeper dive, um, than Goodfellas would, like a sort of more philosophical understanding than Goodfellas would, and not in a bad way. No disrespect, but they're just two completely different movies. You can't compare one to the other. But um, So,
0: if I'm hearing you correctly, you just told Goodfellas to go get his fucking shine box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Um, if anything, Joe Pesci would be the shark. Yeah. Don't step on me recasting, Derek. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of like picking things apart psychologically. So, that one, yeah, I decided I wanted to go with Jaws.
1: All
0: right. Well, I am happy to talk about it. Do you remember... And this might be a loaded one because this, you know, this movie has been a huge hit since before we were all born. Do you remember when you first saw the movie?
2: No, I think I'd probably seen bits of it and then watched it as an adult and halfway liked it the first time I watched it. It took like a second time, a second viewing to really pick up because there's a lot happening in in a lot of, especially in the beginning. There's like a zillion extras and like there's just a lot happening. And I think it took a little while to find, there's like a huge ju- juxtaposition between all of the action and then it's such a quiet movie in so many regards and then bam action and then quiet. But it's it's really like there's so much beauty woven into the quiet and it just, sometimes you just have to be like in the right headspace to find it. I don't remember how old I was when I watched it, but it's it's I know at least it's been a regular s- summer event. I, I watch it every summer, so... But I don't, I don't remember exactly when I started watching it. It's also a little like thessalophobia. I don't know if you know what that is. It's
0: the like deep sea, like yeah.
2: yeah. It's not like hydrophobia. I'm not afraid of water. Yeah, you, the it's
0: depth everything. of the ocean.
2: It's stuff you can't see, which I don't think is that like kinky of a of a fear. I think that's fairly common. But so, but watching movies that take place out in the ocean um, can be really anxiety inducing. And I actually always remind myself, whenever I sort of feel like a little, like, that feeling, I always, I'm like, just remember, they're only 12 miles offshore. Like, you can, if they tilted the camera the wrong way in some shots, you'd be able to see the shore. So, that's, I always remind myself of that. There's 12 miles off Martha's Vineyard.
0: Well, I mean, Alex, uh, Alex gets killed uh, not even, uh, not even a mile offshore, so... (laughs) Derek, how about you? Do you remember when you first saw the movie?
1: Yeah, and just to just sort of to piggyback off that, I also have some sort of fear about that too, and I don't know if it's necessarily the ocean or not, or if it's just what I'm not seeing. Um, and actually, my band, I, I constantly write about the bottom of the ocean and I don't know why I have like a fascination with that and it kind of makes me nervous and I think that's why it excites me but yeah it's it's I have that sort of thing too but it's sort of strange I feel like with Spielberg movies especially with the Indiana Jones trilogy it's a trilogy for God's sake I would say that this movie was always just kind of in my subconscious like I don't remember when it happened or when I saw it but I just felt like it was always there kind of like the Indiana Jones movie especially Temple of Doom I don't remember ever watching it. I just remember it just it was always there I always saw bits and pieces of it and I think Jaws was one of those movies where I never really sat down and was like okay here we go play until yesterday because I'd always I've seen the whole movie but it's funny like for instance the first thing you see in the movie at least with the version I watched was a bunch of like you know kids you know mid-70s kids all playing guitar and smoking weed and hanging out and then it goes to the infamous scene with the girl in the water. And I'd never seen that bit before. And I went, wait a minute, I don't remember seeing this in the TV. So it was interesting for me seeing it from beginning to end the, the, this time around. So honestly, I think that this was my first full watch, but I I've, I've, I knew every scene like almost by heart when I saw it this time. So I know I've seen it other times, but uh, yeah, I can't really remember when it was, when I first saw it, but it was always there. You guys, first of all,
0: with your fear of the deep ocean need to get right with Cthulhu. All right, first of all. Listen,
1: Rick, you can keep that nerd shit to yourself.
2: <laughs> Cthulhu needs to stay wherever the fuck.
0: Just get right. You, you think you can't stop Cthulhu? He's coming. Have you heard well, of I our Lord and it. Savior Cthulhu?
2: Um, yeah, no, he can. Um, he can stay there. I am still in Ralia.
0: He waits about, sleeping Renate.
2: Like the fascination with the ocean, I'm still like drawn to it in some, like in some, there's some weird way, but it still gives me anxiety. And we all do in, in one way or another, like are kind of drawn to the things that give us angst sometimes.
1: Yes, agreed.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's a, it's a, I think it's just a mystery to almost everybody, even like the greatest scientists on earth that have gone beyond where anybody else has ever gone. There's still parts of this world that we haven't seen yet and may never see. And I think that's really fascinating. I think the ocean will always call people to it and, like, sort of draw us in in one way or another. But, I mean, that was also that movie. You know, in regard to what you said, Derek, about, like, sort of never really, like, it sort of drawing you in maybe until, like, yesterday. I think when it initially came out, it was, I mean, it was a phenomenon. Like, it was amazing the way they did the shark. They shot it out in the ocean, which that had never been done. It had always been done in, like, sort of smaller ponds and they had to build like special equipment and it was a nightmare like I think they sunk that orca that gets sunk in the movie is the third one and they you know I just like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and they were doing rewrites like you know that day and like but it was it was a phenomenon when it came out and I think it became it drew in just more discerning viewers as the decades went by so when it caught up to like to us or I should say when we caught up to it I don't know. It's sort of, I don't know if it would draw in like the same crowd that Indy would, you know what I mean? Like Indiana Jones would bring in, like, I think a, a broader crowd than Jaws would nowadays.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I agree with that.
2: I think it's a little more old fashioned.
1: That could
0: be. And, and Jaws in a lot of ways is like the first real blockbuster. So it, it's an, it, I think it's, I think Jaws is almost more of a, like a rite of passage than Indiana Jones. Because when you, you know, the older cousins or older siblings or anything, it's like, oh, you want to, like, scare the little little kid, let's show him Jaws, especially if you're near the ocean, right? Because I think that's probably where, around the time I first saw it, I was, like, a younger kid, and I had an older cousin who was like, oh, watch out for sharks, I I got this movie to show you, and... Yeah, I watched Jaws and I was like, oh, it's an incredible movie. And then I went to the ocean and I was like, all right. Like, I'm just going to go up to my ankles. I'm going to go in the pool instead. And this was uh this was Derek the beach we went to last week. It was like I'd go into the water pretty much up to my ankles like we did and then we I would go in the pool up to where my grandmother had a condo and I would like go swimming in the pool. And I was like, I'm still nervous that a shark is going to come eat me in this pool.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. As a, you know, yeah. Oh yeah.
2: I remember feeling that like tubs, tubs are scary when you're a kid, everything's scary, but there's something about bathtubs as well. You'd be like, if I run this water right now, will something, will I come back to it and there'll be something in the tub. And I was, I did remember going through a shark phase and after the shining dead body phase.
1: Uh yeah and and and, then rick i'm sorry i just to cut you off real quick the other thing too is that like the and we'll get into this i'm sure more as we go but when somebody is in the ocean in these movies even in, in other shark movies the moment they get dragged down a little bit and they're like what the hell was that i feel like what is that wouldn't wouldn't the shark's mouth be grabbing at your leg automatically to pull you down i feel like a lot of like acting is like realistically wouldn't it be like holy mother of god something just bit my leg not just oh what was that you know what i mean it's kind of weird to me that that's always like oh what 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 like what what, i wonder i
0: I wonder to that how much this movie put shark attack in somebody's mind especially off the coast of massachusetts like if something grabs you be like what the fuck is that not having any any concept the shark might be there
2: Oh, it was a huge phenomenon. Like it was, that was the summer of shark. Like everyone, there was apparently, everyone was seeing sharks on every beach that summer. And it's crazy because like that movie wasn't meant to come out in the summer. It was meant to come out like in the winter. And then because of all the delays, it came. It ended up coming out in, in the summer. Um,
1: Happy mistake.
2: Right. Perfect. Because um, it, it ends on the, on the 4th of July. And it was like, I mean, it, it was every, there were shark sightings um, everywhere. Like, people were constantly seeing them in the water and freaking out at every beach in the United States. Um, like, it was, it was shark mania. And that, no, you're, you're, it was definitely, at, like, a thing. And also, like, to your point about, like, from before about, in, like, Indiana Jones, I think Jaws is more mature. Like, I think Jaws is just a more mature movie. I think it takes, like, a like a maybe older, calmer mind to watch that, as opposed to Indiana Jones, which is pure adventure from beginning to end. Do you know what I mean? There aren't a lot of quiet moments. I think it's, it's a lot. Like, if you had, like, a six-year-old sitting there listening to, like, Quint's speech, do you know what I mean? Or even relating to, like, the comparison of Scars or things like that. Those are all very adult themes. And there are things in Raiders that are exciting and stimulating when you're a kid and then they're nostalgic and sweet when you're an adult. So it it hits every age on a different level. But I think that Jaws just, it, I think maybe I probably seen parts of it when I was a teenager and was like, "Eh, I'll come back to it someday. You know what I mean? Like.
1: Yeah. I think, I think also that Spielberg was just trying to do two different things with those sets of movies. Um, But I think, um, I think it's weird because I think when I was younger, I was more—I was really, really nervous of Jaws when I saw the things. But I think the jump scares this time around, I forgot about them. And my wife and I jumped literally a mile when the jump scares happened when I watched it. Oh, she, and, she, and she looked at me like, whoa, you jumped like a mile. I'm like, me? You just jumped off the couch. And it was that scene where, like, Hooper sees, like, the head pop out. Yeah, like a Gardner's head. I yeah. literally was almost in the ceiling because I didn't expect it. And it was just awesome that at 34, I could experience that again. <laughs>
2: it's so scary and the music is so loud in that scene. I always remember now to turn the volume down because that's really it's not the image so much as the sound that makes you jump um and like it is like yeah it's it's you you
1: make a good point though because Even even I I went to like a horror thing like a haunted house thing with Rick remember we went to spooky world and like, I think you were the one who was saying like, what you see is not going to scare you it's going to be the loud noises so if you like either you or my wife was like, just block one of your ears so you don't hear the loudness and you won't be as scared. And I walked through it fine after that and I was like, that's true like it's usually the volume of things make me more nervous than the actual image. Yeah.
2: It was, I discovered that like in, in high school. And I used to, when I I knew, you know, you could tell like a scary part is coming up and I used to cover my ears and my stepmom always used to make fun of me. And she used to be like, why are you covering your ears? We're watching a movie. And I was like, yeah, it's the sound that's going to scare me. Not what I'm about to see. I mean,
1: the
2: two, the two in tandem might be horrifying, but what's going to make me jump. um, And I'm very jumpy. And it's, it always embarrasses me. So I'd rather sit there and be embarrassed by having my finger <laughs> over my ears than um, by, like, screaming or throwing popcorn or, like, dropping my water.
0: So n- while, while we're on the subject of jump scares and haunted houses, I think I just got to take a minute to recognize the Jaws ride at Universal Studios in Orlando. Is it still there? No, they paved it over to make – Make way for the Diagon Alley Harry Potter stuff.
1: My dad dropped our camcorder in the water during the shark <laughs> ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's still so in in Hollywood, it's like jaws coming out of the water as part of the tram tour, but the ride in in Orlando was gone, unfortunately. although the the stuff that they, that's there now is very cool. i do I do miss it pretty dearly and just having because it's it's funny being from New England you're kind of walking through and the whole area was themed to like, Oh, I'm like, this feels very familiar to me walking down. Cause it like, it looked like Amity. Oh, so I remember,
2: any- I'm so sorry. I didn't, oh. I didn't to cut you off. But I, I remember what my earliest memory of Jaws was learning that my aunt and uncle went on that ride for their honeymoon. And I must've been maybe like seven or eight. And I remember them describing it. And my dad was like, yeah, he was like the shark comes out of water and I was like what the shark comes out of like it was like hard I do remember that that might actually be like my my earliest memory I hadn't seen the movie but I knew it was like about a shark obviously um but like I remember him describing it and I was like why would anybody willingly put themselves through that that sounds so traumatizing and I was like wait people volunteer for this and he was like oh they wait in line for it and I was like oh, my God, what is wrong with people? And, like, it was I, – I was like, how could you do this? Fine. <laughs> Your problem now.
0: It was yeah. a great ride. I went on it when I was six, five, six, something <laughs> like that. Probably before I saw the movie, actually. But speaking of the movie, let's uh, – if somehow you've gotten this far into the podcast and you haven't seen this movie, let's tell you what happens in it. Derek – each week, instead of using a stopwatch, although last week you broke the, uh, broke the pattern here, you play a song on Spotify to time out my 30-second description of the movie.
1: Have you chosen the song for this week? You know what? Let's take a look here. Usually I'm prepared. Today I'm not quite prepared. Let's see. Ah. Ah. All right.
2: He's pretty fine uh, for a white guy.
1: I mean, we could do that one. I don't know why. We're doing pretty. You know what? No, we're not. We're doing "Pretty Fly for a Rabbi" by Weird Al. Ooh. So we're doing the same song, only not the same song. All right, Rick, are you ready?
0: I'm ready. This is kind of a short one. Three, two. One and goal. A great white shark begins attacking swimmers off the coast of Massachusetts Island, Amity. Martin Brody, a water-fearing town sheriff, must convince Mayor Larry Vaughn to close the beaches for the 4th of July, and then call upon scientist Matt Hooper and World War II veteran fishermen and possible psychopath Quint to hunt the fish and save the island's economy and residents. Well,
1: that was really, that, that was really I, short. It was short.
2: Okay, so I didn't realize that, you know, when I've heard your other podcasts, and you are like the matchbox car guy in the introduction, but not anywhere else in the, in the podcast. I always wondered why you did that. I didn't realize it was because he was timing you.
1: Yeah, I actually told Rick we should play the song. And he was like, no, that's how Rick talks. He says, no. No. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> well, well, well done. Take a deep breath.
0: You should have heard the fucking. The last movie we did from 1975 uh, was Rocky Horror Picture Show. And that one, that one, I had to catch my breath afterwards.
1: Yeah, it it all started where Rick was like, all right, get your timer out. And I was like, oh shit, I have Spotify open. (laughs) I'll use that as a timer. And that's how it started.
2: You have to introduce like a huge ensemble cast as well. With this one, there's like so few speakers. There's
1: really four or five characters. yeah, I think the only thing this movie's missing is Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's the fourth man on the boat. They're comparing <laughs> scars. Man. <laughs> he
2: just didn't, he didn't pan over. He's in the deleted scene. <laughs> like in the, in the, in leaning against the, the wall in the corner with the like, teacup with apricot brandy in
1: it. <laughs> the shark's name is Rocky, so when the shark comes up for the first time, he sees him and he's just like, Rocky! <laughs> <laughs>
2: You found us.
0: <laughs> this shark comes up. He's like, "Brad, <laughs> Doctor Scott, Quint, <laughs> <laughs> I know you from the Indianapolis." So that's what happens in the movie. Let's go over our favorite scenes. Counting down those three scenes. Ronit, what's your third favorite scene? I I don't
2: I don't have a count. You, okay.
0: You don't have to. You don't have to count. Just name it.
2: And I will. I'll chime in. The okay.
1: Comments. All right, Derek. What's your three? My number three is actually the beach scene where I believe Alex is eaten. Again, I rewatching this movie. I forgot a lot of little tidbits, and I was like, I know people die in this. Don't really know who besides Quint uh, and the girl from the beginning. So I kind of forgot the deaths and things like that. So. Uh, When that little boy went up to his mom, was like, "Just give me ten more minutes." And I was like, "He is fucked." And you know what? I felt really shitty when he died. And usually, I'm rooting for the bad guy. I'm usually rooting for the shark in every movie because the sharks in every movie killing people, clearly. But I this time, I was just—I felt really bad. I was like, "Oh my god!" The mom was so nervous, and like, you know, she was the the last one on the sand. Like, where is he? You know, everybody else had their loved ones, and I was like, "Oh, I feel so rotten about this." And Spielberg, man, he's got balls. You know, he's like, "I'm killing little kids." Like. This is, gonna, this is the way it's going to be. That's crazy. You know, if I was, if I was watching the movie back then for the first time, I'd be like this director should be fucking ashamed of himself. You know, I would have been, I would have been, you know, oh, I, I, I guess, to him,
0: Steven. we still want you on the show. Stephen, I you, like we...
1: that you kill kids in movies. I
0: like it now. I mean, you know what you have? You have a movie coming out. We can talk he, about
1: the I, original. I wish he killed more kids. You, Maybe can cut the, just... you can, you can, you can leave, you can leave that in Rick.
0: I'm going um, to. i'm gonna I'm gonna put it in again at the end. Of actually,
1: the show. we should do West Side Story soon just so
0: we can get some podcast. I feed
2: for
0: him. you want Spielberg to be on the show to do with us?
2: No, I mean, I got a few kids. we can that
1: he can kill. We yeah, can feed we can-, we can just feed the sharks. I'd love yeah, to.
2: We can feed Rocky.
1: Yeah, <laughs> his name is Rocky now. um But the yeah, that scene name is Bruce. <laughs> he Bruce, has a name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Bruce. But yeah, that scene was kind of like, whoa! Like I forgot. I was trying to figure out who would get killed in this scene, and then the little boy, of course, made that.
2: You know, I, you, I like... will say, like, no, I, I do think that, like, it, it was a real, it was a like a bold choice because he didn't shy away. It's, it's such a violent, violent, shocking death. Like, it's not, it's not a jump scare. And it's, it's it's a credit, I guess, to Spielberg's, like, camera work that he never, like, he stays on that scene for enough time where you're, it's, you're like, oh, I am seeing what I'm seeing, you know? It's not left up to the imagination, like, certain parts. Like, with the girl at the beginning, or the guy that gets, who, like, I think helps save, like, Brody's kid later on, both that one and Quint's death are, like, you see it.
1: Um, I think you know, that's a, dele- isn't that a deleted scene? The one where Brody's kid gets saved? Because in my version, it wasn't in there. I and mean, when I looked at the trivia, it said it was a deleted scene.
2: I, it's in it. There's an extended scene.
1: Oh, got, gotcha. Okay. I, I got to see that because I heard it was brutal.
2: Well, yeah, it's it was it was really bad. And I think they left it out because they already had Alex Kinner And he didn't want to like pile on. And then Quint, you know, he didn't want to like. Right, right there were going to be deaths but some of them were sort of going to be you don't see everything or it's off screen but he did not he, he kept his camera on alexander just like long enough so you're like i know i see exactly what's happening you know obviously some of it's a little beneath the water but you're like the just the blood exploding like, yeah it was so it's so violent, and I, you're like, every time you watch it, I'm always, like, shocked a little still by the amount of blood. Like, they were like, yeah, no, throw that blood in there.
1: Oh, yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, kids do die in movies, they get shot, whatever. But, like, the, the image in my head of a little kid being ripped apart by a shark and eaten was, it's just horrifying to me.
2: Yeah. It uh, looks, it's disturbing, it's, you know? It's like his whole body exploded, and it's gory. Yeah. Like, the whole, his, his little floaty, Like, his whole body.
0: Yeah, I want want to jump in here because it's my number three as well. I look at it from everything you guys are saying is 100% accurate. I agree with it totally. But I want to point out also just the filmmaking, like the choices that he makes, because you mentioned the floaty, that big yellow raft is so important in this scene because it is such a landmark in your line of vision. And... Going back to even, you know, before, just, you, you just Brody's on the beach, and he knows, and he's kind of looking. He's like scanning. He's like, oh, something, something's going to happen. I know something's going to happen. We're fucked. We're fucked. He knows it. And people are coming up talking to him about this bullshit, and he's like looking over their heads. And then you, you see the the shot, the underwater. You have the John Williams score. And again, it's, it's a brutal death because, and this may be just... A, an issue of necessity because you know, famously the shark wouldn't cooperate. The mechanical shark just looked t- too much in some scenes. So it's just like all we see is the splashing and the blood and the like...
2: We only know what happened because of the blood. Yeah. Like you could, you could have theorized, if you just saw a kid flapping around with a floaty, because you see that floaty flapping around a lot, it's the blood that tells you what happened. And... That you're like, oh my God, what? Because you know, a kid could have come up and like, you know what I mean? Like kids splashing, or it kind of looks similar to kids just splashing around. You know what I mean? Or like playing in the water. Yeah. But it's the blood. It's that shock of red where you're like, oh my! Like on the blue and the yellow, that really tells you exactly what just happened.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and, you know it's it's the big thing for me is that he didn't he, Spielberg didn't throw a guy in there. You didn't throw a woman or a man. It was like innocence. It really that that's the point of the movie where things really start to turn for me. Like, okay, fuck this shark. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it you was know, like he
2: also <laughs> ate the dog. We're pretty. Sure. Oh that's yeah, that's right.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: my, my favorite one is he definitely kills that guy who's in the sailboat. Oh, the boys. He's yeah, like the boys. Oh, he, he's, he's like, like you, you guys be you, careful. And he's like ah.
1: He's like you kids all right, and they're fine. <laughs> they're just sitting there normally. And like, what is this? And like, like you said before, Anita, Like, you know when something bad is going to happen. Directors, ha- all directors have a tell. You know, Spielberg's tell is like, he knows how to build intense scenes. You're like, okay, you know when it's coming. But also, of course, this movie has the biggest tell. When the music starts, you know some shit's going down. That, that famous John Williams score. But yeah, that's, that's such an iconic scene. And I,
0: I will say the Alex's mother, Mrs. Kittner, gives such like a great performance in her scene where she slaps Brody later on the movie. Yeah. And she's got like such a distinct look to her. She is a she apparently is like an acting was an acting coach in massachusetts so she was definitely she was like a local and you see her on the beach it's like oh this is not gonna end well for you and it like it works
1: as well the second time you see it do you know the story behind her i guess like 20 years later she went into a restaurant and when she walked in there was like a picture on the wall of like that scene of jaws and she was like oh my god that was me i was the mother in that scene and they were like are you kidding me let's call the owner they called the owner and the owner came in and it was alex oh that's incredible and they hadn't seen each other in 20 years and they had like a big hug and like they embraced and i was like that's so funny like what a coincidence
2: there was a sandwich on the menu that's, that was called the alex kitner
1: <laughs> oh yeah that, yeah that's right
2: and she was like oh that's funny i was in that movie
1: <laughs> oh so you, you okay so you know the, the you know the story better than i did i did the uh the fake version but yeah that i remember reading in the imdb trivia and being like holy crap what a coincidence all right derek what's your two so my two is actually uh, Quinn's speech, which we did hear at the beginning of this episode. It's yes. it's it's the it's the, other, it's the other turn of the movie for me because. For me, like, I love action sequences and I love frightening frequ- uh, sequ- yeah, frequencies. sequences, but I-, I love dialogue and I like how dialogue can build tension. And this is incredible. And I- I- I'm not going to lie, I had a hard time understanding Robert Shaw most of the movie, what the fuck's he saying? But uh, for this scene specifically, I wanted to make sure I had the subtitles on because I- and then I again watched the-, the scene again with all the subtitles, to make sure I can see the acting. But I wanted to know exactly what he was saying and it's terrifying. Uh, and um, actually my uncle Greg there's a warning I give everybody who's around my uncle Greg. I say, do not bring up sharks or Jaws unless you want to hear a 10-minute monologue. And he goes right into that Quint monologue every time, and he does it to perfection. So I'm like, guys, just don't mention sharks or get a,
0: get a recording of him. We'll put it. At the of- yeah, he,
1: he. And then you have you have to sit through. You can't walk away. It's like, it's it's rude. So like, But but back in the day, he would do that speech, and I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? And then obviously now I, I know, and it's funny because right before that speech. You know they're all laughing and they're singing, and everyone's having a good time they're drunk and then he just gets into that that story and it just it it, it just twists and turns and just the imagery of all I think of almost like an old fashioned like a painting from like four hundred years ago of like an ocean and all these people in it and there's like sea monsters coming out It's the kind of image I get of like this terrifying sequence of events and, and how many people there were and how many people survived. That's another reason why the ocean scares me so much. Um, Being in the center of the ocean with your legs dangling down below the water and you don't know what's going to happen to you. There's so many different ways you can die really. And, and so, but I think I was always, you know, I've always been fascinated with sea creatures and and like mythological sea monsters that this was like, Holy crap, this shark is not a normal shark. It's humongous, but um, that, that speech is amazing. And there, I think another big thing is you mentioned Goodfellas before and I like how directors make a point to, you know, especially with the Joe Pesci scene where he's like, funny how? How am I funny? And everybody around them is like, their, their smiles go to frowns throughout the scene. And just like that, in this scene, you know, uh, Hooper, especially, his, his smiles go, go to the sadness and frown. And it's amazing. The acting's phenomenal. And the scene builds so much tension and just, just a short monologue. And, and that goes to show you how great the acting is and how great the direction is, as well as the music. So that's my number two.
0: Yeah, it's a great scene. My number two, though, is you're gonna need a bigger boat. Ad libbed. Yeah. Well, apparently the story goes is that they kept because the boat itself was so crowded with the equipment that they were like, "Oh, you guys are gonna need a bigger boat. Like this is too small. This is too small." And Roy Scheider was just like, "Got it." <laughs> but the it's like a it's almost like an anti jump scare because it's like there's no like s- swelling of the music right you, we talked about earlier like the jump scares like all the senses are like overwhelmed it's like here it is and it's like what did I just see what did I just fucking see what happened well
2: it's and, when we come face to face for the first yes. time like, see its face and like fully for the first time
0: you see Bruce Bruce makes his appearance he's like Rocky uh
1: Well, if I'm not mistaken, too, is maybe it's just me, but I always thought the line was, we're going to need a bigger boat. So clearly I was wrong. But I'm wondering, is that something that people thought? Because I definitely thought that. Maybe you don't know, because you're you're a much bigger fan, but maybe it's wrong. But I think... No, no, you're right. I think, you're, you're, I think he might say both. No, no, you, no, you, I, I'm pretty sure it's, you're going to need a bigger boat, but yeah. I always thought it was weird and I was wrong when I watched it, but, um.
2: I think sometimes also the way we hear those two words, they are a right. little like, and so maybe in the retelling, it's the same way if people always say, you know, the Luke, I am your father my, you know, misquote yeah. that.
1: Or like, hello, hello, Clarice from Silence of the Lambs, like, it's not a real line. <laughs> it's, it's amazing.
2: Right. And. I think he does say, you're going to need a bigger boat, but he says it twice, so maybe in the second time, he says we're going to need a bigger, because he says, we're going to need a bigger boat, right? But I don't remember, in the second
1: right, time, right. he
2: said it, you're aware.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's, I I love Quint's reaction to it as well, because Quint is such, like, an Ahab figure. Obviously, he's like, oh, it's on. It's fucking on. He's so excited. He's mm-hmm. He's pumped, but and then he sees the shark, and it's like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, we, right, we right. Be, we might be in trouble. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, it, there's a reason that line became so iconic.
1: So, Derek, what is your number one? My number one is Smile, You Son of a Bitch. I, it's just so – it's just engraved in my memory. It's just like I love that. The boat is going down. He thinks Hopper's dead. Um, Hopper, Hooper. Hopper, Hooper. Sorry, I looked at my paper. I was like, "That's definitely not Hopper." Um, Dennis, <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Well, yeah. yeah. And he thinks he thinks Hooper's dead. Quint just died. The boat's going down. He is fucked. And he's like, "Come on, come on, come on!" Like it's so like, oh, you have one chance, or else you're dead. And he nails it. And the explosion of the shark is tremendous. And I love that, like, the, the John Williams swell of pretty, like, it's like harp or something. Uh, it's amazing. And it's, like, this this amazing explosion and this, everything. And yeah,
0: this this release.
1: This release of, like, yeah. holy crap. and uh, Got him. And, oh, it's just a relief. And then the other relief he gets is he looks over and he sees Hooper, who's alive, and he just kind of laughs. Like, holy crap, like, you're, you're here too. And it's, uh, it's a cool ending. It really is. It just builds up and then... You know, it ends kind of abruptly after that, but uh I, I that's the scene that I always think of when I think of Jaws.
2: I think Brody has like there's a moment I think where Brody has resigned himself. Like I think he's like, This is my last I think there's a moment where he's like, I'm gonna die. But yeah. I, that and that but that makes him go like all throughout the the entire movie he's he's us. He's our he's our lens with you know. Mm-hmm. The guy that, that takes that we go on the on the journey with right we we learn through quentin hooper and um they're sort of like our journeymen but um and they they like sort of take us through um but we're we're brody in in the movie as as an audience and i think there is that moment where i think he's like i'm gonna die but if i'm gonna like die alone out here like i'm gonna i'm taking somebody with me um yeah definitely it's the first time we really see him get like so angry and so sort of like ball- He like psychs himself into it um, because I think there is that moment of like, I'm going to die and I'm pissed about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I remember reading too that originally Spielberg had Hooper, uh, Hooper dying as well. He does in the um, book. Does. Yeah, and, and I'm actually really glad that Spielberg changed his mind on that because if it was just Brody by himself alone, it wouldn't, it would have been kind of like bittersweet. But he has that other guy with him from the beginning because Hooper was introduced a lot earlier in the movie, and I, I and I grow to love his character too. He's very quirky and stuff. So to see him alive too, and he made I love that smart move that he does when he's under the water and he like hides behind a rock and he's like, "I'm not fucking moving until this thing is dead." <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: He's a survivor, and that's yeah. the, him and him and Quint are kind of like two sides of the same coin. Quint is more, he's like, he's a, he's like a parable, you know, like a right like allegory, like as opposed to a person. Like he's he rep- he's, like, the true representation of like ego and arrogance. And that the whole, in the that his whole speech is amazing. Not only is it a beautiful quiet see- scene where all you hear is just the sound of their voices and just the sort of tilting of, you know, the boat and the light um, and like the sort of lapping of the water against the boat, but it, it also humanizes Quint but at the end, yeah, we get like a humanizing moment, but I, there's something about his, his death that I actually, I really like because we, we can, I feel like the, the quints of movies, we canonize them off to all too often. We let them act like the biggest pricks and then mm-hmm. we, we give them like heroes death. He doesn't die a hero's death. He just dies. And he may have, he may have lent, um, I think he contributed to, to his own death. He was really reckless and it was all about ego and arrogance. He didn't care if any of them died. He wanted the glory. He wanted to be the one that brought the shark in and ultimately he died for it. But he didn't, it wasn't like some great hero's death. He just died.
0: He um, dies ugly. He guys, ugly. I think to your point of Quint and Hooper being two sides of the same coin, it, it almost would have been more appropriate if. Hooper had died as well because I think the the messaging in the movie, the language of the movie is Hooper is relying too much on like the toys that he bought.
2: Yeah, but yeah. don't forget Hooper, it represents science and facts and the facing of reality.
0: But I will say he is wrong a lot. His instincts are off a lot. Like when when Quint has the shark on the reel and he snaps it. And he's like, "Oh, Marlin, huh? Gaming, game fish, huh?"
1: But but I think Spielberg. I feel like he wanted to kind of prove and show that arrogance is going to fuck you over in the end.
2: A hundred percent. And don't forget, we you know we think a lot about the second half of the movie, but in the first half, there's a lot before. There's the one scene with Quint that we don't see him for a while. There's the scene where he, you know, with the nails yeah. on the chalkboard. Um, didn't make my top three. About that any longer. <laughs> And he's obviously like the town grouch and like the town alienator, he's that guy that makes his own terrible booze um, and just boils shark parts. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot of, um, there's a big statement in that movie about science and politics brushing up against each other. I actually couldn't help but think about COVID when Brody is like screaming at the mayor about a lot about a lot of that stuff and hooper shows up and it's like hey i actually do have all the answers and brody's right like this is, i, like I said
0: this to jen when I was watching i was like it's weird that this guy became president a few years ago
2: right uh, so like i think that he represents where it, and i think the difference ultimately what it comes down to is their motivations right they're both out there both super knowledgeable don't forget Quint Scott a few years on on the both of them, but I don't know. It's so hard to tell. People lived hard back then. Um,
0: the <laughs> how the actors, there? I try, when we do our recasting, I usually, what I do is I look up actors that were the same age. As yes. Absolutely did not work for this one. No.
1: Because well, what, yeah. Richard Dreyfus is like 28, isn't he in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. He'd be like a, a boy. Yeah. And, and, and Robert Shaw was four years away from his death at 51. Yeah. Well,
2: Robert Shaw was 13 years older than me, and I'm like, I feel like to play like <laughs> the, my great grandpa. Right, it, the yeah, actor in the I
0: cast and my I recast. We'll get to it to play Quint is 65 years old, and you'd think he was
1: 10 years younger than Robert I went. Though. I went way younger than you for for, okay. for Quint. Yeah, well, and you're gonna you know,
2: it's also confusing because like Shaw and maybe to him the same way age makes everybody just look younger to to you, um, but like he's like, oh, you college boy, and you're like, what? <laughs> like Richard Dreyfus seems like he's years out of college. I mean, he obviously yeah. is working, you know, for, for like the oceanographic.
1: Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, Robert Shaw and like I don't know, maybe his arrogance and and the Richard Dreyfus opposite. I, I don't know if. It's going to ring a bell, but I just wanted to bring up real quick that like Robert Shaw, he gave Richard Dreyfus a really hard time during this movie what I was reading, and I think also like Robert Shaw, like I told my wife, because we she always helps me recast she's always good at it, and I was like Robert Shaw was like 47 when he made this movie, and she's like, I thought he was like 60 and I'm like, I think it's the years of like, I, I can't tell, I didn't look into this, but I feel like Robert Shaw may have been an alcoholic and maybe abused, abused his body a little bit, so maybe that's why he looked older
0: and more rough I think was, I don't, I don't know if you were around when I said this, my theory is everywhere you went up until like 1990 was 100% filled with cigarette smoke and it just aged people an extra 10 to 20 years. Right, right. Planes, restaurants, cars, wherever you went, all cigarette smoke all the time, aged people faster.
1: And I think Spielberg let it happen to was Like Shaw was being addicted to Dreyfus and he's like, this is great. It'll be like when we get on, you know, when we start filming, you could see the, like the, deta- the distaste he has for him. But anyways, that, that was my little spiel. So let's get to my number one
0: scene and let's go to my quick honorable mentions. We mentioned before the townspeople bickering over whether or not to close the beach and Quint's first appearance because it reminded me so much of the reaction to COVID. I, I had the scene where Mrs. Kittner slaps Brody and, like, they, they have the tiger shark there and it's like, oh, fuck. And then I had the one where Brody and Hooper are arguing with Mayor Vaughn uh, to, you know, where they see, like, the the defaced billboard. But the number one scene, listen, there's of all the movies we've done, if I had to rank my top three, this would be in my top three scenes that we've done, right? And in no particular order, uh, it's the scene in... Casablanca when they sing Marseillais. It's the scene in It's a Wonderful Life at the end. And it's the Indianapolis speech. Those are the top three scenes that we've done on this show, in my opinion. And really, the the whole sequence from when they're drinking to the speech, to when they sing, to when the shark busts in, is, is the scene, right? But the Indianapolis speech takes this movie and gives it a pathos that other movies like this don't have. And even Jurassic Park, which we've done, which is a great movie and has great scenes, does not have this heart. And that's what, to me, and you can argue with it back and forth, that's why, to me, I take Jaws over Jurassic Park. Because it has the heart, it has the soul, and it has, it takes Quint, who is a detestable character up until this point and gives him so much more dimension.
2: And you can, I mean, you can, I think that this, that scene is important. Not only is I mean, it's gorgeous. um, And it's, it's one of the longest, like just straight scenes in the movie and just, it's a beautiful quiet moment. It, it human, it works. It does so many, it, it accomplishes so many things in one scene, but it, it, he, you know, you, and you can empathize with Quint and it gives you some insight into why maybe he is the way he is. You know, he thinks he's like going to maybe finally chase down his last demon with every shark he kills. You know, you kind of, you see already, like you think back on all the, sh- the dead shark bones, you know, that were like the cemetery of sharks that are in like his, shed or whatever and you and you're like okay like he's been sort of chasing the, the shark that he's been experience?
0: chasing the, like he's chasing the dragon like an <laughs> addict like yeah uh, like,
2: an, like an addict yeah um, oh he's not jumping the shark he's chasing the shark <laughs> and um, the shark jumps him I guess um, I think that was like maybe he thought it would bring him some solace and it gives you some insight like you can still always he's still a person he's still responsible for what he said what he's done he almost gets them killed like a zillion times he's very reckless um and ultimately I don't I think I'm fine with Richard Dreyfus surviving because the two of them their their motivations are so different uh, different for why they get into it like Hooper is like hi I'm science and I want to do the right like I'm in science because this is like also like the, this is the right thing to do like he's not he's volunt- he, he he bought all his own equipment. So
0: real, real quickly, so, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let you finish. But uh, <laughs> uh, so Hooper in the book actually, I know I know what yeah, happens in
2: the book. Yeah.
0: So and I'm not saying it to you. I'm saying it to our listeners who may not know is not such a great guy and sleeps with Brody's wife. So. <laughs>
2: Imagine that in the movie, adding like a romance, like
1: yeah, it, it just doesn't need it at all. It doesn't yeah. need. It. I'm
0: glad it was cut. So when he dies in the book, maybe it's a little bit more karmic justice.
1: Right, right, but yeah, it's just not needed. It's not needed.
2: No, all it's right. not So, needed. so
0: we're need. Yeah, go, go on.
2: But, but Hooper in the movie is tr- his motivations are pure. Um, it's it's science, and also because science helps people. Like that kind of science, not not for profit, not for ego, not for just for, for just self.
1: Yeah, he's not, I, not looking for a trophy like Quint. No.
2: He's not right. looking for the reward money either. He doesn't give a shit. He can buy all his own stuff. He's out there because it was the right thing to do. He, wasn't, he was supposed to be like on some sort of expedition and he didn't go to help them. You know, right. what I mean? like with a police chief and a psychopath. <laughs> In their little boat on the ocean, <laughs> like that's pretty selfless, you know. He yeah, no,
1: he absolutely.
2: About no, it, he had no skin in the game. He didn't live in the town. He didn't work there. He was just he was he showed up to help, and so he had no skin in the game.
1: Yeah, and and to to everyone's point too, I think that if it wasn't for this. Indianapolis speech, which is incredible. If it was, and this is one of the reasons why it's so important, but I feel like if this speech wasn't there, Quint's death really wouldn't have mattered as much. It would have just been, oh, that was crazy. Did you see that scene where that guy got killed? No, at this point, he's a human. We know him more. We care about him a little more. And that's why his death is a little bit more you know, horrifying in and, 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 and that sense. But, yeah, that speech really uh, was important, I think. But did did they say in the – I mean, Rick, do you know in the book how Hooper di- how dies? Was it in the cage? It was in the just cage, like in the, yeah. It was yeah, in the just, cage. Yeah, he just dies in that scene. Cause, okay, because if he didn't escape that anyway, he would have been torn to bits, like, just that from – That
2: cage was, like, made out at of, a, at a, like, tin. Like, it was like a
0: tin. <laughs> You and go there. in the cage, cage go in the water, shark's in the water. <laughs> <laughs> <Our> <laughs> so – I. I think with, with Quint, I think it's, I mean, they wouldn't have had the terminology for PTSD at the time. They probably would have called him shell-shocked. Right. But bringing that into a blockbuster movie in 1975, and maybe it's the rest. Maybe it's New Hollywood seeping into popular cinema uh, or you know, populist filmmaking, I guess you'd call it. But it's lesser movies wouldn't have that. All right, no. wouldn't, wouldn't have that dimensionality. But yeah. those are our favorite scenes. Let's talk about our least favorite parts of the movie.
1: Uh, Derek. Least you know, I really couldn't find a lot that I just like detested in this movie. Agreed. Which is obviously a good thing. If I'm really going to nitpick here, this is going to be something that people are going to be like, oh, who fucking cares, Derek? And I, you're right. You're right. But I didn't really like the shots that Spielberg got in the water of like another shark who's supposed to be Bruce, because yeah. it, it doesn't look like Jaws. It doesn't look like Bruce at all. It looks like another great white. Because, like, Bruce's mouth and his, like, head is, like, fucking ridiculously big. Like, ridiculously big. And the shark, the shark he was getting in the footage of, I'm like, that's not Jaws. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So that, that was, like, my little nitpick of the movie. But I really couldn't think of anything else. Rick, yeah. I'm hoping you can find something else that I couldn't think of.
0: So my, my least favorite thing of the movie is not necessarily something, even the movie itself. It's that this movie was the beginning of the end for 70s movies. All right? It made so much money. It was so popular. It's this and Star Wars, two movies I dearly love. That every wait, producer wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. You like Star Wars? This, this is I, new to us in the show.
0: I enjoy it. Now, this is where I'm going to bring up that The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie.
1: Oh, my God. So... Anybody want to replace me in this show? Just speak up.
2: I've officially just succumbed to the heat. <laughs> you've, you've melted the ver- the last shred of my brain.
0: Ernie, you are, you are going to last- be among the eight guests we have when we do the eight, the last Jedi movie. There's no, not going to be a room finish. for me on there.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go clean up the last... <laughs> the cells ...on the floor.
0: So anyway, two movies that I dearly love, Jaws and Star Wars. Basically are the starting point for the boom or bust blockbuster industry that we have had the last few years. Now, COVID fucked up Hollywood completely. But if you look back, every summer, there were like three giant hits and three movies that made a fraction of what they were spent, what it was spent on it. And it's the Jaws kind of did that accidentally. I don't... Spielberg definitely didn't want that to happen. And it's more of the reaction to it. So the fact that you see the beginning of the end of the new Hollywood era, almost like right in the thick of it. Like when we go through the Oscars at the end of the show, the movies that are fucking nominated, there's three all-time classics nominated for Best Picture. And, and, and Jaws kind of is the first like what is it, like a violin or a cello or something like that? String in the... Uh, It's the first, and it's like, oh, what's that off in the distance that's going to come and eat this industry alive? So that's my least favorite part.
1: (laughs) I want to slap you and hug you at the same time. (laughs) I get that a lot. I'm sorry, that just tickled me the right way. Uh, I just
0: like your metaphors. (laughs) Do you have one, Ernie? Do Do you have a least favorite part?
2: they're all so they're super small one thing that sort of bothers me and maybe I just I just missed it I feel like if somebody was they'd be like oh oh, oh," and I'd be like shut the fuck up um (laughs) something that I didn't I thought that the um the continuity of time it was hard to tell how much time had passed between Mm. the girl dying the like there were, there were moments, there were days that where they point out the passage of time and you're like, Wait, what? Like yeah. there was, I guess that when they show all the, the people pouring into town to um for the $3,000 reward, they were like, she's uh, put an article in an outside papers and they're like, her kid just got killed yesterday. And I was like, wait, so that happened in a day.
0: Yeah, this whole movie and, takes place but- over like three days yeah it's a lot yeah
1: so
2: that's that's what i don't understand like how did you even manage how does that how did that physically happen? that there would be a lot for today but with back then technology and not only that but they were on like this small you know they're, they're on an island <laughs> yeah they're on an island and their police station looked was like a the size of like a starbucks you know what i mean it was like it looked like they a have
0: old, two cops <laughs> <laughs> right
2: <laughs> <laughs> More pot they had more politicians than cops um, and so that that was sort of like I thought that was maybe like
0: because when they catch the tiger shark, Hooper says everything it's eaten within the last 24 hours is going to be in his digestive system right so, so the yeah. scene with Alex's death up to that is less than 24 hours.
1: Was anybody else hoping that a kid came out of that shark when he yes, pulled that of out? Course. <laughs> yes, we were all hoping for that. Derek. <laughs> But anti-children, I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) It was, yeah, because it was, that What? yeah, he says in 24 hours. So that does, that is representative. Yeah. So all of that stuff, she published all of that stuff in the paper. Somehow he had also called the Oceanographic Institute and they sent somebody down and they caught a shark. (laughs) and you're like wait they're saying the last 24 hours that was just also a day ago and i was like i remember yeah watching that and i was like wait how much time has gone by when did this start is this like is this like independence day because they gave you markers they were like july 2nd july 3rd july 4th because they tell us that it's 4th of july at the end of um, at the end of jobs so that's like one of the
0: i mean options. the only thing we know for sure is it's tuesday
1: I wonder if the the producers of Game of Thrones like made a phrase at the end of season seven and season eight. They're just like, you know what? Just jaws it. Just 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 speed up time have have Lord Varys travel around the world in a second.
2: It's like wet hot American summer. We're like an entire summer uh, activities have been, get packed into into one day.
0: Right. My f- my favorite time like dilation in movies is uh, is The Mummy Returns, where Brendan Fraser holding his child outruns the sunrise (laughs) and somebody like mathematics was like he was running 3000
1: miles an hour in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh
2: my goodness. The only other thing was what Derek said before was about because you could tell the shark was significantly thinner. Jaws Bruce is wide. Yeah.
0: Bruce, is, Bruce thick. is thick with a two C's. Bruce. I was going to say three C's, three, four C's.
2: Um, so he's supposed to be, and actually I thought it was funny because they call him Bruce or calm, they always refer to it as a, he, and actually female sharks are bigger than the male sharks. So great female, great white shark is like up, I think usually up like the biggest ones are like maybe 18, um, feet long. And then the males are between like 12 and 15 feet long but they were saying they were like oh that's at least he's like oh it's 20 feet and he's like 25 and you can't tell if he's they're actually basing that that whole that little exchange between quentin hooper you know you tell is you look from the
0: dorsal to the tail right they are
2: also just guessing (laughs) he's like no one of them says it's 20 feet and the other one goes it's 25 i don't even remember who it was because they were so competitive but it was. I thought that was such a funny exchange because it's hard to tell if you were like, "Are you? Do you actually believe that's twenty or twenty-five? Or are you just saying that to outdo the other
1: person?" No, no, no! It's a megalodon. <laughs> right,
2: right.
0: It's, it's very, two sharks together.
2: It's not an option. It's, it's like, three, three small
0: two- sharks in a trench coat. <laughs> it's bigger jaws. <laughs> do you remember that in Family Guy? Bigger that's jaws.
2: Smaller feet over here.
0: <laughs> so you know the interesting one of the interesting things about great white sharks is that scientists don't know how they mate they've never captured that because their their like territory is so wide we can't have them in captivity so we can't really observe them we just, like scientists just have to get lucky and be like i thought sharks were shark 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 just
1: like celibate
0: yes no they, they that's they or no they, not that we haven't seen them mate we haven't seen them give birth we don't know how they give uh. birth i think it is but I yeah no
2: there's only been like one, I think one person who said that they ever saw like they came across it, like, by accident.
1: Was that Quint who said that? No, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. That's, I'm just, that's the <laughs> thing about a
0: shark giving birth. It's, it's a,
1: it's I've a seen it. It comes placenta, out of its... Like
0: a, like a doll's placenta. It comes out of its mouth. <laughs> He's like,
2: I'm a midwife
0: for the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would be a midwife. I'm am a, I'm a I'm an ocean doula. So, let's get... To medals, because we still haven't done medals. Derek, who's your bronze?
1: My number three goes to Robert Shaw. Uh, How can you not have him in your top three? He's incredible. Quint is that... We we've talked about it so often in this in this episode, but he's he's so great. He's he's the arrogant piece of shit asshole until that speech, and then you're like, oh, I kind of like him now. He's kind of cool now, but he's still kind of a jerk. Quint is is for me. Uh, we we bring I bring up Game of Thrones every once in a while. He does the like every well, once in a while. I haven't mentioned Game of Thrones in a while, at least in six you episodes. You mentioned it literally three minutes ago. No, you know what I mean. This episode I have, but a few episodes. Okay. So he's like the Oberyn Martell. Where we're like, just fucking kill the mountain. goddammit. it. No, nope, he has to have his ego. He wants to kill the shark. He's not being smart. Like, you know, Hooper's a little bit smarter. I like the contrast. I think he did a great job. I have nothing more to say because it's obvious he's in everybody's top three. So he's my number three.
0: Yeah, he's my uh, my bronze as well, Robert Shaw. In Apple's speech is incredible. Quint even that scene where he scratches and nails on the chalkboard, he walks in and you're like, I know who this guy is. Immediately upon seeing him, it, and it's just it's just an incredible performance. Ronit, did you have a, uh, a, a top three or?
2: You know, I actually don't think that anybody, for me in particular, at it, like it's actually I think that the, my top three would be the ensembles, and I also because I think that they're more representative of their traits than they are of like individual characters, and I think they're all three of them. To me, it's like not. I see a bunch of like characteristics having a, a conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like brushing up against each other. Three people who otherwise would have never been out on a on a boat together. You know, only only like a bunch of like violent deaths could have brought only a very bizarre situation would have brought these three people together. And I thought that for I guess at the top, it's no one individual. I can't narrow it down. Some I think is really really unique and special in their own way, but.
0: So you pulled a Derek, and you had a three-way tie.
2: <laughs> it's it's the I, to me the number one character is what the movie is actually about. No, it's it's a, a higher than one and in, one individual actor. Like that's why I can't or or character. I can't narrow it down. It's, it's sure. the entire. It's the the story. It's everything that the film is trying to say, um, and mm-hmm. everything that it that it captures. Because it's bigger. I think it's bigger than itself.
1: All right, Derek. Who's your silver? Uh, my silver goes to Richard Dreyfuss. I, lo- I loved him from the first second I saw him. He's uh, He just reminds me of somebody I'd hang around with. He's just quirky. He's funny. I love his... You know, I like when he gets angry. I love his anger, the goofy faces he makes, things like that. I like his smarts and stuff. Like you're right, you mentioned before, like he doesn't make all the best decisions. But again, he is a person. He is just like all the rest of us. And they do make mistakes, regardless of their title. But he's so fun. I love young Richard Dreyfuss. I've seen him in so many movies. And like, I remember turning to G and being like, he's from Mr. Holland's opus. Isn't that weird? You know, because it's so weird seeing young Dreyfus. He's awesome. And he's my, he's my silver. My silver goes to future guest
0: Steven Spielberg, mm. and it's this is kind of the one that made him Capital S Spielberg. It's it's funny seeing like looking up the old reviews for this and just being like this young kid Spielberg. He's like guy the best, most exciting young filmmaker working today. All they're all old timey newspapermen apparently, but yeah, he's having these curveballs like the shark that didn't work, and having the ingenuity to to make this. We mentioned the jump scares earlier you know the the decisions to sort of slow the movie down and yeah you mentioned earlier just the scene the indianapolis scene just it's the three men and the waves and that's all you hear and that's that's a spielberg decision i mean he's steven spielberg i mean what more do i have to say
1: well yeah exactly
2: i mean he changed everything it was a wildly it would have been a wildly ambitious project for anybody but somebody at even today, not just for 70s standards, but like today at like 24 or 25, that's huge. That's a, that's a big movie. And he's, there's something very DIY. I think that always comes through in his films. Like even, even some of his films that aren't the best ones, um, or even some of them that you're like, "Mm, I would have taken that scene out. There's still so much love and heart in all of them. And I think that's like the, the arc that, because none of his all of his movies are wildly different. Like none of them necessarily have that. There's no like overlap. You know what I mean? For the, for the most part, unless it's a sequel, but there's, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of love that I think comes through. Absolutely. Um, and it, in somebody else's hands, it might've been very stale and there would have been a lot of different decisions, psychological director.
1: Definitely. Derek, who's your gold. So my gold is a tie between Steven Spielberg and the crew. Just from what I know of, of all the troubles they had going through this, I can't imagine just being a crew member and being utterly exhausted every fucking day making this movie. Imagine
2: uh, the first two boats that sank.
1: I, right, exactly. It's just, it's you know, it's, it's horrifying. The, the pay probably wasn't great for that, just being a crew member. And it just seems like a lot. But, you know, Spielberg... I was just looking at it just now as you were talking. I just wanted to make sure I knew Spielberg's age. And yeah, he was in his late 20s when he made this. Like, I look back sometimes and I'm like, how are these people doing these things at this age? It's amazing to me. Um, When I was younger, I I feel like now that I'm 34, I'm like, wait a minute, though. I'm still a kid. Like, when I looked at somebody who was 34 when I was a kid, they were like a man and had... Thick hands and had hair, and all. And I'm like, that's not me. Like, what happened to my generation? I feel like we're all kids still. And looking back, I mean, like, Stevensburg was late 20s when he made Jaws. Like, I think of like famous albums. I'm like, Sgt. Pepper came out when John Lennon was 27. Like, to me, things like that are like, it just fucks up my brain. But you're right, Rick he's Spielberg now. even back then, like when he made this movie it's like, damn, like was that his first big movie that, that was the first um, the first big big one was was close encounters before this maybe 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 it wasn't yeah it
0: was small as a TV yeah, movie, but, but, but this is like
1: yeah. I mean I could see somebody at his age writing, and again, age doesn't matter, but just for me, I could see somebody writing this at a younger age but to to take on like yep, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take on this movie. I mean Peter Jackson was a lot older when he took on Lord of the Rings. But this movie is like, if I was a director, I'd be like, you can, I'll pass on this. I, I want to keep my sanity. So it, it, I think like there's a lot of big movies that have the same sort of situation where like The Godfather was really difficult to make, almost got canceled. So, Jaws, it's like, it's amazing what he did. So he had made three films professionally
0: before this. One was Duel. Actually, you know, he, he directed only two before this. The one right before this was Sugarland Express, which okay. is kind of his like introduction to the world. Mm-hmm. and then there was Jaws, and then there was Close Encounters. Right. And then yeah. now he's fucking Spielberg, and then he kind of missteps with 1941, and then...
2: Then he came back hard with... Then he, how about <laughs>
0: Raiders, E.T., part of the Twilight Zone movie, Temple of Doom, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun... And then Always, which isn't very good. And then Last Crusade, Hook, Jurassic Park. Like, the yeah, fucking- the, 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 yeah, then the 90s. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: man, that's incredible. So, yeah, just to be like, I'm going to take on this movie about a, a killer shark and see if it works. I would have been frightened, you know what I mean? Because who knows how the audience is going to react to this, especially the movies coming out in the summer. People like to go out in the summer, not like to watch movies back then in the summer. You know, everything fell into place in the wrong way, but then really worked in his favor. So yeah. I'm glad it worked in his favor.
2: Yeah, he's tenacious. So, if yeah. shit about what he does, like he will look at all the stuff that can't. You know, we've already discussed, but things that haven't been mentioned, like you know, shooting out at sea. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and all of the challenges that come with it, waterproof equipment, all. Of, keeping
0: your crew alive. <laughs> like, right. Dealing yeah. with a psychotic drunk on set who was harassing all the other actors.
1: Like, right. And it, 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 they were like, when Robert Shaw, when, when he was sober, he was a perfect gentleman. But when he had his first drink, like, stand clear. But yeah, I mean, the Indianapolis
0: speech, like, they almost cut it because he was too drunk on, on his, the first time they tried to shoot.
1: Yeah, like, I remember he, he said, was like, he was like, like give big, me one more chance. Give me yeah, one more chance. Yeah, one more chance and I'll nail it. And he did. So yeah.
0: so my gold goes to John Williams. And I really love this score actually. I think there's so few pieces of music that you can identify from one note and you know exactly what it is. Right? The the music captures the mood of each scene so well. The strings of the main theme. And I love like the jaunty adventure music when they're when they're like chasing the shark with the, when he has the barrels on him.
2: Yeah, kind of the happy, sentimental music. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's just like, oh, this is going to be good, and then things just go badly like, from Technically, me. Technically, that's two notes. Yeah, I could get... Nah, I could do that.
1: I think it's like, uh, nah. I it's, mean, I think, of course, I, I, but I could do... Yeah.
0: I could do that. I could identify it from one right.
1: note. No, no, you're... And, and again, I wasn't putting down the score, but you're right, it's like the most... When you think of the, the jaws, you think of the theme. Bottom line, yeah, you're right. I would
0: say, I mean... I don't know if it's best piece of music, but it's definitely his most iconic piece of music.
1: I think so. At least in the top I, three of
0: I think, I mean, I'm probably missing some, but. It's like, not as it's, big it's like, like, it's, it's, it's not it's as like, it's as big this, as Jurassic Park and Superman are probably my. I, see, I was
1: going to say it's not as big as the banquet scene in Hook when they're eating fake food, but. My yeah. number four greatest scene in the history movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention it. <that. laughs>
2: every, every kid's dream come true. Yes. Uh, Can I just say what I, I think like the MVP is with the, I honestly, and this is no bullshit. I think it's the, it's just the story itself. It's so much bigger than any one like character, but I, I think the sleight of hand also that the story does cause and Spielberg is really, really good at this at building suspense and because it's, the payoff is so huge. We don't meet our title character until over an hour into the movie, and granted, some of that was just because of technicalities, like they had so many issues with the shark, and it was easier, and it, it works, because what you don't see is so much scarier, and that is what's so scary about the ocean, what you can't see, and he really, he like, he leans into that, but I think that you know, the whole time they build it because when you don't introduce your title character for over an hour, it gives you time to allow everything you know about it to be told by other people. We don't know Jaws. It's an animal. It never spoke for itself, right? Jaws almost doesn't matter because the story isn't about Jaws and that's the sleight of hand. It's about us. And I think because they talk about it almost like Jaws is uh, like some sort of Mythological beast, right? When it's really just something we don't. I think this movie is more about our primal gut reaction to something we don't understand or can't control. I ultimately think that's what this movie is about. Um, And he allows the tension to just build and build and build. And sure, it is a little bit about man versus nature, but it's really it's so it's so much more about us. Than it does. We don't what do we really learn about the shark? Nothing. Because it doesn't matter. The story is about the, the people in it. And I think that it's a non-human entity. And I think that ultimately they talk about what a predator it is. It's an eating machine. It kills, it kills, it kills. But the biggest predators in the movie are the people, right? The ones that are out there. Because Jaws doesn't has no agenda. It just it it operates purely on instinct. But we as as humans, we have consciousness, right?
0: Swims. Choose, it eats. Choose, it makes baby sharks.
2: <laughs> well, we we choose to to pray. If we pray on something, it's a choice we've made, right? And and I'm not dis- disagreeing. I mean, the the shark was a menace. I get it. People are dying, but it's still about like our. It's still about our, our choices. Um, yeah, definitely. Was, as I think that was like the ultimate sleight of hand because Jaws is not. The main character, it's not a movie about a shark. It's not, the shark's barely in it. It's about us and how we reacted to it. That's what the story is really about. And I think that's where the brilliance is. That's why I couldn't pick like a one particular character, one thing over the other. To me, it was like the entire story and what it was It was ultimately trying to say without, without directly addressing it. That was my-
1: Well said, well said. Good point.
2: I told you, that's why I picked this movie. It's a psychological deep dive. And it's not, it's not like Jurassic Park. It's not like Goodfellas. It operates on this very deeply sort of cerebral level.
1: And, and that's why it's the best, the best movie, including a shark, I think, because like a movie like Deep Blue Sea, they're like, these sharks have personalities and they're special. But Jaws is just an animal that we don't understand <laughs> rather yeah. than, you it's know.
2: almost a MacGuffin.
1: Yeah, he's,
2: yeah. He's, he's dropped in there, they throw him at this town to create and it creates all of this chaos pours out of it, right? It, and it's, it's you see people's worst and best impulses rise to the surface and you see that I think of people like Cooper and Quint Brody, the mayor.
1: If anything, the mayor should have been eaten.
2: The mayor should have totally (laughs) been eaten. Him and his pals who get on that, get on the boat and start- That
1: raft.
0: Jaws should have just jumped out and just taken off his head. (laughs) Like free willy, but it's just like takes the head with him. Yep.
2: When they make Brody like scoop out chum into the water, it should have been parts (laughs) of the mayor. (laughs) Pieces pieces of town council. There's the (laughs) alderman. (laughs)
0: Well, well, listen, if they they don't want to, you know, stay out of the water, and then he goes and, like, convinces the other guy to go into the water, like, with his wife and grandchildren, it looks like, what kind of danger are we putting these people in? Like, these kids! (laughs) It's so screwed up.
1: I love it. I just want to go
0: back a second and just recognize that Derek said a little earlier... That his recognition of men were that they had thick hands.
1: <laughs> no, well, because my grandfather, when I was a kid, he had like he had big hands, and I was like, oh, like my brain was like, oh, when you get to a, you know, like when you you look at you look at your parents or your father, your grandfather, like they have older hands, and I'm 34, and my hands look like that they were when they were 16. You know what I mean? They still, I, I, I don't. That's just something that's in the back of my brain. But you knew what I was saying. Get out of my face.
0: <laughs> Let's go to one of my favorite parts of the show and that is recasting oh yeah so I, Derek I think you and I Z- both did Brody Hooper and Quint
1: that's correct
0: all right Ronit do you have any uh, any recasting thoughts or are you gonna just react to ours
2: I mean I had I had I threw a I threw a couple in there
0: okay so Here let's
2: your basic as fuck casting choices
0: let's start with Hooper
1: go why don't
2: you go ahead
0: okay Derek, who's your Hooper?
1: My Hooper, I went with somebody who was in the younger side, somebody who I thought in the last few years or the last decade or so has shown me he's more than just one character because he's primarily known for one character, but I've really enjoyed him in other movies and I could picture him kind of with a little beard and glasses and uh, doing his thing. Uh, and I actually went with Daniel Radcliffe for this. He's really impressed me lately in a lot of things that he's been in and I can totally see him as kind of a, kind of a Hooper character. So that's, that's my pick
0: interesting interesting so i went with a guy who is on the verge of a huge breakout and would have had a giant hit last year if not for covid and that is john david washington the was the star of tenet which would have been a massive hit if covid didn't happen and he is the son of denzel washington but he's a great actor john david washington john david washington
2: yeah. Okay,
0: I don't yeah. know him at all. And anything he is, so I think he would have
2: made a good Brody too. I think what, like the wide-eyed, our, our POV into the story.
0: Yeah, I could I could definitely see that, but I see him as like
2: because I think he can do soft and edgy. I think he can do both yeah. really well, and and Brody is soft in a in a good way.
0: Yeah, but I think John David Washington can come in and be like. My, my my Hooper in this would almost be a little bit more arrogant, and I think John David Washington being the son of, like, coming from a Hollywood family can definitely do that. He was in the show Ballers, which is a terrible show, but I watched it for a season. Hmm. And he played, like, the arrogant wide receiver. And he could... I bet he could bring 10% of that in. And I, that that's what I'd be going for with my Hooper. See,
2: I like it when people sort of play against type a little bit. Like, I lean and like lean into other we like them because I think they can you're like I think it would be really interesting to see them dropped into like this yeah because um, i have seen this side of that of that character because they're so good and they've given so much depth and dimension you're like I would like to see them play a little bit of that in something else but you would love my my hooper who's your hooper you know who popped in my head Carrie Coon I thought she would have made yeah it a great hooper.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that.
2: I could see her being like stick to your guns, but really really fun and really clashing against in the funnest way possible, like a like a angry old man.
0: I could see that like having Hooper be a woman would play really
1: interestingly against Quint. Kind of would, like how we all went we, we we everybody you guys kind of went against what it is in the original so i kind of like that
2: we just take it for granted that every everybody has to be white and male we don't you can if you if you write a good story you can almost you can change out switch out almost anybody right sure create characters with enough depth and definition and dimension i feel like you can they can be almost as interchangeable as possible the exception may be
1: um, yeah, I, it, you know, the, the one thing, and, and I'm perfectly fine with 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 uh, it being, because like Jaws is a primarily male cast, and that's just how way it was written and the way it was done in the movie and stuff like that.
2: I think Quint should be someone really famous. I think Quint should be someone famous. So,
0: on that point, let's get to Quint. Let's, let's recast Quint. Do
2: it. Let's okay, hear it.
1: Okay, Derek, who's your Quint? I went with an actor who's so unbelievably versatile. He's unrecognizable in one of the roles he did in the last 10 years. I don't think a lot of people would suspect this of this actor to do a role like this, but I think he would be fucking tremendous. And that is Christian Bale. He's uh, he's really just doing things right now where he's. I mean, he played fucking John Dick Cheney in a movie, and nobody was like, "What the hell is that? Who's yeah, playing Dick I Cheney?" Mean, if, you, if you saw him in the Fighter
0: as well, like he so, can really throw oh, himself he, into a Boston he, accent. he's
1: phenomenal in the Fighter, yeah. but you you put you know you tell Christian Bale you're playing this role. He's Quint. He's yeah. he's he, he's becoming to me. He's not on that level yet, but he's becoming like a Daniel Day Lewis, where where everything he's doing is starting to be just really great.
2: Definitely, like very transformative and he
1: can he, he can really do it he could have played the shark. Yeah. I, <laughs> I almost I almost cast I don't him as. you come in your fucking boat and mess with your fucking lights? But it's great because <laughs> like, you know, when you when somebody is cast as Batman, all the villains of the movie are the ones that shine because they're the interesting characters. But Christian Bale has gone on to be like, wait a minute, I can do a lot of things. And I just I was trying to think of somebody in the in the 40s age group who's versatile and a lot of the great actors of our time are now in their fifties and sixties. So uh,
2: for Quint for quit, I'm almost 40. Okay. Yeah. Nowadays you'd need somebody in there. Robert
0: 70- Shaw looks like he could be your grandfather in this movie. He looks so much older than he is. If, if you, uh, if you sat there and told me he is 70 years old, I would believe you in this movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know. I I I took. I just assumed he was in his 60s, 70s, maybe, or at least close to it.
1: 47, uh, and, though? Crazy. Yeah.
2: Right? And it came out when he was 47, which meant he was making it when he was 46.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Right, so, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So, like, what the hell, man? You're messing with our minds. A Richard Dreyfuss, a college boy? It was like...
1: My quint,
0: if we did this 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago... Would have been my Brody, one hundred percent. But I was thinking about it, and I was like, he's a little too old for Brody. And I was like, he'd make a great Quint, Brian Cranston.
2: Yeah, I think he would make a good.
0: I definitely see him as Brody. I,
1: I think, and if he throws a
0: little, if he throws a little Heisenberg stank
1: on it. I mean, the only thing about Brian Cranston is even in Breaking Bad, he comes off as just super comical to me now. So I can't always take him seriously. Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, like he's more funny than he is anything nowadays. You just so. see Seinfeld. Well, he doesn't
2: have that, that wide-eyed
0: gentleness.
2: I don't think he has like that that Brody quality. There was something unique that, that Roy Scheider did there. And I think that...
0: Malcolm in the Middle and Year One Breaking Bad... Cranston would have made a great Brody
2: and funny it's different it's a it's a very different tone than the one that Roy Scheider very passive and gentle um he's a very very almost like very calming sort of presence and maybe that's just how he adapts when he's around people like Hooper and Quint who are both so different but also equally loud you know what I mean like two two giant personalities who could fit a third one on that boat but like I, oh, I'll tie, I'll tie, I'll tell. Okay, tie. who's
0: your, who's your Quint?
2: <laughs> I thought Forrest Whitaker would have been really fun. And then, uh, I will tell you, you know who popped into my head and I was like, no, because people would, the thing is, is that people would be laughing too hard. This would be good in like Jaws the musical, Christopher Walken.
1: I thought <laughs> of Christopher Walken as well. He's just so old now, it wouldn't work, He's but you're was, right. He it's not, been great. it's not even the age.
0: It's just like. He and I, I love I love Chris Walken. But, but did he's you always
2: see, doing a Christopher Walken impression? You can't listen to him say anything without laughing.
0: Well, did you see the it was a few years ago now, the like live Peter Pan they did, like the the stage oh version? Oh my god, yeah. He was Captain Hook, yep. but he like didn't seem a hundred percent with it. No. <laughs> P- Peter Pan. Like I
1: can't you know what I mean? Like everything they usually, does is- they usually have um
2: no, Derek Gut say
1: it? Peter Pan! I don't know, I can't do it. You know! You, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a walk-in, but... He's so he's so great at just staring at a camera or staring at somebody and not saying any words for, like, 20 seconds. Like, in Pulp Fiction, that scene where he's just holding the watch for, like, a minute and not saying a word. He'd be, oh, such, he a, he'd be could, such a good Quinn.
2: No, I, he could do menacing and sinister, but I think as soon as he starts speaking, people would just start... I would start giggling. I know what my reaction... I'd be like... Like that sort of like tittering, sort of sort of giggle. Like, can you
1: picture? Can you picture him staring at the shark and then giving a really like a really crazy smile while looking at the shark? Well, like that's, that, that's, that. That's something that Christopher Walken does in movies. Like there's movies where he like kills his own men as a villain, and you're like, what is I, wrong with Christopher Walken? I I like Forrest Whitaker. I
0: like the Forrest Whitaker
1: thought.
2: Forrest Whitaker would eat that role alive. He would he, be brilliant. He
0: would eat the role, and he'd eat the scenery too. That's my own. I've thing. seen a lot
1: of movies. I, I, I've never seen him be like. Eratic, you know, erratic like what is there a have specific-
2: you ever seen him as Idi Amin as yes. in Alaska, in Scotland it's, yeah. it's one of the scariest roles I've ever seen in a, in a movie and it is deeply traumatizing and I think he would be because he plays a total he's a, he's a raging sociopath but very loud very bombastic put some alcohol in his hand and I could see him being a really good grizzled quint uh, my
0: my fear with him is he takes it to the place where he's in in the Star Wars movies he's in. Uh, no.
2: Yeah, he's in he's, Star
0: Wars. He's in he's in uh, Rogue One. Oh. And he's he's like he plays a grizzled war veteran, but he plays it as like a raging lunatic. Like he's, he, he yeah. So yeah,
2: that's not a quiet movie. This
0: that's true. This, That's true.
2: It's a quiet movie. This says this has a whole scene that like commands your attention. It's, it's, it's
0: an interesting choice. We're, we'll put it up on social media. We like when we when we have these like iconic movies. We'll see what social media says. Who has the best?
2: He might not even be close to the age yet.
0: You could. I mean, you could do anything. Like just you can do old age makeup on him. You could do like I think it'd be all right.
2: But go uh, ahead.
1: let's hear your Brody. Okay, Brody. Derek, who's your Brody? So the guy I was thinking of who didn't make it, he was almost my Brody, was the guy the lead actor uh, um, in Walking Dead, Andrew Lincoln. Okay. He was my runner-up. He's runner got the look. Like, yeah. look for, for sure. But I actually went with a stronger actor, in my opinion. I went with yeah. Viggo Mortensen. Viggo, you, it might be one of Rex guys. Viggo might be one of Rex times, guys. Yeah. yeah, I think that he has this, like, very calm demeanor about him. And I just see him, like, I love all of his – soft moments in movies. And I think Brody has a sort of gentleness about him, like we've mentioned before. And Vigo has that. I mean, not only as Aragorn, but even in like Eastern Promises, all of his like soft, gentle moments are very, very good. And I could see him being sort of like cigarette in his mouth, eyes bulging out of his head, like seeing the shark and, and doing these different things. And him holding the rifle at the end and seeing his line. Like, I think Vigo is that sort of actor that can do that. So it kind of excite, excites me to think that he could have done that. So that's my, my choice there.
2: That would no. He's definitely got that that gentleness and sort of that that inviting like innocence. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. That's yep.
2: He'll take will take you on that like journey with him. That is a really good choice.
0: So I've got a guy, who in my head I was like, the city guy who's out of place. And this is an actor who we've talked about in one movie before, and he plays a very different character in that movie. This is an actor, I think, who can pretty much play anything, and you could make a case for him in any of the three major roles, r- when I'm thinking about it, and that is Sam Rockwell. Mm.
2: As Brody? Sure. As
0: Brody,
1: as, yeah. as Brody? Yeah.
2: You know what's funny is that Sam Rockwell um, played Bob Fosse, and Roy yep. Schneider played Bob Fosse and
0: all ah, that. Ah, didn't even get think of that connection, but yeah. There's
2: definitely a connection. There's a, there's a bit of a look, too
0: there's there's a look i could see him in the scenes with the the, the scene i caught of it was the like you were getting the bigger boat scene because i could see him doing like the like coming into the screen you know like that but wide just eyed, make like,
1: sure. i just gotta make sure it's not because sam rockwell has a tendency to play like over the top characters so he needs to really tone it down and not be goofy because oh, i he, think he, he i literally when it. you said that i like i think it was wild bill well yeah because Green that's, that's what we've <laughs> talked about but
0: yeah we've we've talked about him but like He's been in movies where he's not been bombastic and he's not been, like, crazy. He has scenes where he's I have yet crazy. to see one of
1: those movies, so I look forward to them he's, because... He
2: has so much incredible range. He does tend... I think he gets cast a lot as, as, like, as crazy, but when someone gives him the chance to do Quiet, he shines, like... Right, right. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm not even, like, a musical person. I... I don't think I've seen most Fosse-Verdon things, and I really, really enjoyed the limited series Fossey verdon and it was because him and Michelle Williams were so good. It was also really told in the funnest way, um, and it was really good, and that's a testament to good to good storytelling, um, because I'm not a big musical person, and I was like, I really want to watch this, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, but there's there's quiet moments, and he knows how to Reel it in and bring it back down, and I think he can play the. Sh- the thing is, is that Brody's the straight man to Hooper and Quint. Yep, yeah. Uh, he's he's the quiet guy. He's the lens through which we watch these two insane characters. So, yeah.
0: Right? I think I think I think Brody does get to the point at the end of the movie where he does need to be a little bit crazy. I think he, I think the great thing about Brody is when he does kill the shark, he takes a little bit from Quint, he takes a little bit uh, from Hooper, and he, like, he combines it, and that's when he, like, fully realizes. Well, he
2: spends the whole movie learning. Yes. Like, he's just, he's always just an outsider. He's always, like, learning and taking in information and just like we are, and then he, they're both gone, and he's like, okay, nobody is here to help me or save me, I have to take everything that I've learned so far from these two people and put it, put it to use. Yep. Um, so I think he does chant. You're right. He does channel something um, through, through the two, the two of them and sort of psych himself into doing what he has to do. My Brody was, and I would probably, if I had made like, I'm sure tonight I'll be like, Oh, you know, what would have made a good Brody. But one of the first people pot in my head this Don Cheadle. Yeah. I think he's, so good at doing quiet, um, gentle, and like like inviting. Um, and he's you know he's the character that you're with the whole the whole movie. You you you're along for the ride with him.
1: There's something about Don Cheadle that's like he's like a clean slate actor where like he can start from the very like background character to becoming something very big. And I feel like he's a great lead actor. So I think he fit really well in this if that was. Yeah, I, I, I could totally picture him in this role. That's a good choice. Right.
0: What this movie does better than any other. So I've, I mean, I think it's, I don't know what, I don't know if I can say it's Spielberg's best movie, but it's definitely Spielberg's best movie of the 70s and early 80s, but maybe that and ET, I guess, once we get in the early 80s. But, but I'm going to say this is the best movie where the villain is an animal.
1: But is the villain is is the animal a villain or is it just doing what it does?
0: It's the antagonist when the antagonist is an animal.
1: Uh, right, I don't
0: right.
2: even think of Joss as an antagonist. He's yeah,
1: one. I mean it, 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 like- it, it kills people because it eats. Like, how can it? You know. I don't know. we're
2: We're so wrapped up in all the in all the characters that I sometimes I even forget about the shark. You're just watching what everybody is doing, what all the other characters are doing on the screen. Honestly, like I would almost compare him to to McGuffin's status. Like he's just sort of tossed in there as a storytelling device to tell a, a very different story. but the, and and he's the, he's the perfect choice because we know so little about him and or her.
0: Derek. What does this um, movie do best?
1: Mine's basic. I don't know if it, I mean, the way we word it is, what does it do best? I don't know if my answer is really to that sentence, but it's, I mean, it, it, it's the best uh, or the, you know, the first ever fireworks explosion blockbuster of the summer. I mean, everything since then has been because of this, right? In the summer. So this is, you know, I don't know if it does it best, but it certainly started everything off. It's like the original Summer blockbuster, yeah. uh, or it's the best explosion of a shark. Take it or leave it. <laughs> well put.
2: That's good. We'll I've take not it.
0: seen all the Sharknado movies, so I can't say. Are oh, those <laughs> even movies, man? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the Oscars, and it's one of the strongest years I think ever in Oscars history.
2: Godfather, right?
0: No, no, At no, 70, no, that's
1: seventy-two. Seventy-two.
0: Okay, but we'll go over it. This is inc- an incredible year. So as far as Jaws goes, uh, it wins for best score, best sound, and best editing. It's nominated for best picture. Let's go over the major categories that this would fit into. Best picture, it is nominated. does not win. What wins is Dog day Afternoon. Flew, ah, flew it. over the cuckoo's nest. I took a shot. The other nominees are Dog Day Afternoon, as you said, yeah, of course. Nashville, and Barry Lyndon. Well, I don't know those two.
2: <laughs> Barry Lyndon is a Stanley Kubrick.
0: Yep. Is a Kubrick and Nashville's a Robert Altman. Okay, so like peak of the seventies. Like, yeah, those are some yeah. big
1: fucking movies. I, I I literally showed Gia Dog the Afternoon like a few months ago. Um, that's such a good movie.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it it really is. So you know,
2: I'm okay with because Milos Forman won that year. And yes, I'm o I'm okay with that because. Spielberg's had some, had up, has had more chances. Yeah,
0: we're looking at this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we didn't we didn't know this. So Milos Forman, uh, as you said, wins. So I, I'm okay with Cuckoo's Nest winning Best Picture. Same. I'm, 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 honestly, I'd be okay with any of these five winning Best Picture. Like, I'm not gonna argue at all. Best Director is won by Milos Forman. Spielberg's not nominated. Bizarre. Uh, but how about this fucking powerhouse five? Milos Forman wins. Fellini, Federico Fellini is nominated for Amarcord. Stanley Kubrick for Barry Lyndon, Sidney Lumet for Dog Day Afternoon, and Robert Altman for Nashville. On one hand, Spielberg kinda has to be in it; it's Jaws, right? But who do you take out?
2: I always wonder how do you nominate a movie for Best Picture without nominating its director? It it's always a, seems very tied, like linked. One yes. without the other, but
0: and I think when that happens, Fellini at this point is on the tail end of his career, right? Like re- realistically, like he's, he doesn't have, yeah, I mean, he has Casanova after this, as far as like big ones, but like his classics are in the past. So I do wonder if this is more of like a, we can get Fellini over here and be in the audience. I've not seen a markord Past and future guest Chris Bonapani says that I'm a bad Italian for not having seen it, but I can't kick out Kubrick. I can't kick out, out Milo Forman for "Cuckoo's Nest." Can't kick out Sidney Lamette for "Dog Day Afternoon."
2: You kick out Kubrick.
0: For Barry
1: yeah, Kubrick's had his stuff. I mean, come on.
0: Okay.
2: I, mean, I think Barry Barry Lyndon was like a sh- a very straightforward, fine movie. But I don't okay. I don't think that it's, I, it's, it's, it's set apart from I any. I think
0: I think the Barry Lyndon is so visually beautiful to look at. He did, but I also
2: think that what he didn't do anything that a lot of other directors. There weren't any
0: particular
2: choices that I think he made there that were distinct enough to separate it from other directors. Like I'm like I could see another director making that choice. Okay. Um, I mean, granted, Kubrick does have a a style, but I also think that Barry Lyndon is it's not it's not enough.
0: Not enough Kubrick in there. Uh, it's not
2: enough. To, anything to not enough for there. You, there for a nomination yeah. for you to eke okay. out other like.
1: Listen, characters. it's it's not a clockwork orange. Let's move on. Okay, so let's, <laughs> so
0: Kubrick out, Spielberg in. Sure. So I I really honestly, this is a year when we do the Oscars. I really hope you uh, are Oscar month next year. I really hope this this year takes it. So, best actor. We made a change. We made a change in the last 75 episode for this category. So,
2: who won? Jack Nicholson?
0: Nicholson wins for Cuckoo's Nest. Other nominees, Walter Matthau for The Sunshine Boys, Al Pacino for Dog Day Afternoon, James Whitmore for Give Him Hell Harry, Maximilian Schell for The Man in the Glass Booth. But we knocked out Maximilian Schell last time. And Derek, do you remember who we replaced him with? I'm gonna go ahead and say Tim Curry. Oh, that is Tim Curry as Doctor Frank N. Furter. Is it our? Yeah, I don't think we said that. He,
1: I don't I think we said that he won, but I thought we he he definitely w- we deserved gave him a nom- nomination.
0: Yeah, I don't think we could yeah. give him. I don't think we we, we did not have him over Nicholson, but we had him in there for recognition. And I don't even think so, Nicholson
1: won that year. So I, th-
0: I would take Nicholson over over Pacino. I, I would not. I mean, I guess the question for Jaws is, do we fit
1: Roy Scheider in there? No. Love him, but he's not hes not Oscar-worthy this year. He's just not. He's great, but Nicholson, Pacino, no. Come on. Well, I'm not saying over Nicholson and Pacino. I know you're not saying, saying that, but I'm saying, I'm the, saying caliber, over, the caliber oh, of performances, there, he doesn't belong there.
0: Sure, but would you take him
1: over Walter Matthau or James Whitmore? I haven't seen them, and I probably wouldn't. I think he does great, but he's his, 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 honestly, there's a lot of actors that could have done that part. bernie your thoughts?
2: It's a, it's a unique part. I don't know if one actor, I know everybody will say like Robert Shaw but I think that all three were so powerful because they had each other. Like it really was sure. like the, the power of, those, of the three of them. I don't think one can stand out. They came together. Like to me they're a triangle. And the triangle wouldn't exist without just one of its sides. So sure. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I've I not seen... They
2: didn't, they didn't start casting women in film until, like, the 90s, like, early to mid-90s, so there's hey, no, no platform for...
0: I mean, there's, I mean, it's it's a good year for Best Actress.
2: Oh, they, they did cast women that year?
0: They did, yes. Uh, I believe there is uh, in...
2: Uh, I believe
0: there's a very famous female character in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest who won. Indeed. One uh, Louise Fletcher won as playing uh, Nurse Ratchet that year. But I don't, we'll, we're not going to talk about that category in Jaws because there will be no one who fits they that category.
2: Women, they forgot.
0: There's one woman with lines, two women with was, lines in the movie. It was
2: Bruce, wasn't it?
0: It, it was, was Bruce, Well, no, it was, uh, I mean, if there's a best one scene performance, I mean, Mrs. Kittner, but nobody really qualifies in that movie uh, for best actress, best supporting actor we could consider either Robert Shaw or
1: Richard Dreyfus. I'm actually kind of shocked that Robert Shaw wasn't nominated for Best I am, Supporting Actor.
0: I am too. Me too. So, weirdly, George Burns wins Best Supporting Actor for the Sunshine Boys.
2: Maybe they thought because he was going to die soon.
0: Yeah, they up. said that every year for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would make you more want to nominate him. <laughs> little little do we know, he would die decades after Robert Shaw. <laughs> he
2: outlived I mean, the 51-year-old.
0: The thing is, George Burns had, like, mega Benjamin Button disease, where he was born old, grew young, and then grew old again. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, he was, like, 350 by the time he died. But other nominees are Brad Dora for Cuckoo's Nest, mm. uh, Burgess Meredith for The Day of the Locust, Chris Sarandon for Dog Day Afternoon, yes, and Jack Warden in Shampoo. <laughs> Those, I'm, I'm glad Chris Sarandon was nominated. He did a really Chris good Chris Sarandon, job. at this point, I mean that's one probably of most, like, one of the most handsome men to ever exist on this. That's
1: season. probably his finest performance in his entire career. His Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, I mean, Princess Bride. But I, I mean, he's 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 a pretty I, honestly. He's uh, okay as an antagonist. Not, in that. not
0: a great movie, but a great performance is him in Fright Night.
1: Yeah, I mean Brad Dourif also was excellent.
0: Second best performance of his career after Bride of Chucky.
2: Brad Dourif could beat out anybody.
1: You, you, you're you're saying that uh, the Bride of Chucky is a better performance, his than, Gr- performance. Than, than Grima performance than Wormtongue in Lord of where, the Rings, where he yes, where he as Chucky
0: has sex with Jennifer Tilly as another doll, Tiffany. All right. Just just a, mwah.
2: My vote goes for Doc Cochran from Deadwood.
0: Brilliant. For his best performance? Okay. He's such
1: so a good actor. great actor.
0: So do we want to put one of those two in best supporting actor?
1: Yeah, Shaw goes in for me. I mean Dreyfus, I, I love him, but Shaw outshines because just because of the character the the yeah. written character of, of Quint. I think there's more meat on the bone for Shaw. For sure.
2: I think Mrs. Kittner's glasses well that,
1: they would be in best supporting actress supporting actresses yeah, glasses
2: a, a strong performance and yeah. really were so evocative of many memories in my life. Um, yeah. so to me I think that they they were working on, on several Ms. levels.
1: If I were an actress that lost to her glasses that year I'd probably retire.
2: <laughs> yeah I I would I would be so, proud to lose to her glasses.
1: So who are we kicking out? Honestly well, not Dora I say we kick out George Burns. Kick out Burns. Get out of here, Burns. I don't, no, like...
2: We get it already, you know? Yeah.
0: All the, all the other four actors are, like, great actors. And Burns is, like, gimmicky. He's so gimmicky. So, but, I mean, who do we want to elevate? Who wins?
1: I say Brad Dorf Uh... Yeah. Yeah, go with... Go with Dorf. All
0: right, yeah. so we have we have Cuckoo's Nest three out of the four main acting categories. So, I mean, unless someone wants to make the case for Miss Kittner's glasses, I think we can we can skip Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, we skipped that. So now we come to the most important part of the show. We've been building up to this. Derek, are you ready to tell us why Jaws is the greatest movie of all time?
1: You should have reworded that into Derek. Are you ready to just ramble for 30 seconds and be coherent? Okay. Two. <laughs> all right, let's go. Three, two, one, go. Jaws. Why is it the greatest film of all time? This is the first ever summer blockbuster. This, uh, this reminds, should remind everybody of fireworks until 4th of July because it came out around that time and it's based on that time. Um, the, the acting's phenomenal. The script is phenomenal. This is a gr- great crew. Uh, everything is a, is really really great in this movie, and me, perhaps one of the best speeches of all time by a, a supporting character. Go see Jaws if you haven't. What's wrong with you? You're stupid. Very very stupid. Very stupid. Very. All right. That's that's thirty seconds, uh, Derek. When you're vamping, you don't always have to go to
0: insulting our listeners. Listen, Rick. I do what I do. You do what you do. I mean,
1: like I go to insulting you. But you, like, you can Well, take that, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, like, that, that, exactly. You, you, you abuse me, I abuse the listeners. It goes down the chain. It goes down the chain. Like, I go to school, and s- I, and s- I beat s- up kids, because I get beat up.
0: Yep. You're I'll good. tell you, Rick. Uh, you, you, yes, you, you will, and you have. But that's okay. I can take it.
2: I'll a breath. Who are, who are we in this
0: one? What's that? Which, which Who's, if we had to who cast each the other?
2: the hooper, Quint, and Brody? Oh, my God!
0: I think you're, you're a Quint. Really? I was going to say that, that she's Hooper.
1: Who do you That's- identify as? Are you a Quint or Hooper? Or Hooper, because I, I find you extremely Hooper. intelligent, and I think Hooper is the, most, the smartest of the three.
2: You're 100% right on all of those counts.
1: Well, listen, if you're, if you're Hooper, which one of us are, are, is Quint? <laughs> I, Rick, I was honestly, Rick. I think you're the most Brody out of all of us because I feel like I feel like I'm a Brody, but I don't think you're a Quint, Derek. Yeah, yeah I'm I, sorry.
2: Neither of you are Quints, and neither
1: of you are Brody. Right, because like I'm not, a, I'm not reckless, and I'm also, I think, smarter Listen, than Quint in some ways. But you know, gun to I my think, head, gun to my head. I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly I'm re- fine. Be, I'm perfectly fine being Brody's wife.
2: Who?
0: We're gonna let the silence sit for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so So i think i think i think yeah i think gun to my head i'm brody ronita's ronita's quint and Derek is hooper it's it's
1: it's really it's not correct at all i there's no way i'm hooper
2: Derek, that's a very sympathetic choice because that actress because of the book thought she was gonna have a bigger role because there was like this whole subplot of the romance And she was bummed that her role got cut down, and so instead of, because they still, you know, weren't casting women, a.k.a. didn't know how to write women and didn't know what to do with them, instead of just create, finding a way to work her more into the story, they just, Mm -hmm. she was just the wife, the put-upon wife. And so that was, that's a very sympathetic choice, Derek, that you-
1: well, I mean of course if I was still doing theater and this play was around my neighborhood I would of course audition for Mayor Quinn. Mayor everybody everybody wants to play Quinn. It's Derek, obvious. Derek but... is Mayor Vaughn.
0: <laughs> Ronita's is Bruce. I'll be Bruce. These are so smart. Keep going. Yeah. And I am the guy who tries to warn the kids and gets eaten by the shark. <laughs> ah, I survive and I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you are the floaty.
0: I'm the floaty. I'm Alex, I'm Alex Kittner. <laughs> Die immediately. You
2: are the, the floaty upon which we rest.
0: I'm the guy who Derek convinces to go into the water with, like, the, the children and, like, puts them in danger. Yes. I'm Harry with the bad hat.
2: Who gets to play the, the fairy that brings everyone
1: <laughs> I'm sure somebody in a school play once had to play the fairy.
2: Like this? Like, just...
1: <laughs> former parts i played a tree in a play and then the ferry in jaws <laughs> what a, a a casting
0: what a movie what a what an episode i had a lot of fun doing this one we hope you guys enjoyed it i think that's our episode on jaws ronit thank you so much for being on the show do you have anything that you want to plug or talk about can be anything doesn't have to be anything you're involved with but any anything you want
2: no, watch Jaws support Coolidge Corner movie theater because they're opening back up and uh, it's the greatest theater in the entire world in my my personal fave.
0: Support your local art house theater. That's it. Yep.
2: yep. Yeah, support your local theaters.
0: Yep. Go and we'll know if you don't. We'll know if you don't. Buy popcorn, send us your receipts and we'll mention you on the show, I guess. I don't know. But let's, so that was a great episode. Let's look to the future though. Derek, what do you have coming up on the greatest album of all time podcast?
1: Well, I just released A Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. And it was the first episode ever where we actually had samples of the music. So i uh, probably get arrested soon. And if so, pick somebody good to replace me. That was or a eight, lot of fun. a no spot? Take my spot if I get arrested. Um, maybe, yeah. I can do it, maybe I can do it from prison. Who knows? But uh, that was a lot of fun. I uh, had a good time doing that. And next... So we're doing the show bi-weekly now. So the next episode we're doing is Purple Rain by Prince. Completely out of my comfort zone doing Prince. But I have already listened to the album once. So I gotta listen to it six more times to get the gist of it. And I'm going to have a guest on that. So it should be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that one. Can't wait for you to embarrass yourself. I'm kidding. you <laughs> say Purple Rain
2: or Purple Rain?
1: Purple Rain.
2: Okay. I was nope. like, definitely familiarize yourself
1: with that <laughs> if it's yeah. on the triple rain. Yeah, triple rain by Prince. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows it. Nobody owns
0: it. <laughs> I mean, he supposedly did have like a hundred and like a hundred to two hundred unreleased like albums. Yeah, he's he, like, he's
1: he's he's got a lot of them that are that are not on Spotify, iTunes, are like unreleased and stuff. So. One
0: very well may have been called Triple Rain. We don't know. Sure. Could be. Could be. Uh, but coming up for the rest of the month of July. Can't believe it is July already. Uh, Next week, who are you going to call? You're going to call us along with special guest Katie Swenbeck to discuss Ghostbusters. Week after that, we are going to have my beautiful wife, Jen, back on the show to talk about Seven.
1: Mm, I love Seven.
0: Yes, we're back in the 90s, which have historically been our most successful
1: episodes. And then after that, Kevin Spacey, come on the show. It'll be a good or one. <laughs> come on. We want to talk to Kevin. I want to talk yes, a lot to we're, Kevin. We're, we're
0: <laughs> not acquaintance of the show, Kevin Spacey, yes. Um, <laughs> right. So, uh, and then after that, silence of the lambs.
1: Oh, Anthony Hopkins, Ted Levine, come on the show.
0: Can you imagine? I think. Anthony Hopkins is probably. I think we'll get Spielberg, Spielberg on the show three times before we get Anthony Hopkins. Oh, he, I'd rather. I can t- imagine t- he has no time for. Podcasts. If we're
1: not getting Ted Levine on it, I'm going to do the entire episode in the Buffalo Bill accent.
0: That's funny. I was going to do the my, the entire episode crossing my legs and pretending to be Buffalo Bill. <laughs> so, you can't tell because this is an audio format.
1: An uh, audio I, see, I see it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Derek, folks. Has Rick has, just
0: as, tucked it. As, as we've discussed, Derek does not do the, the video on the Zoom call, so I just assume that he's been doing Buffalo Bill the whole time. The whole uh, time. Every episode. Can I,
1: can I finally remove it, Rick?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. And then, to close out the month, appropriately, we're ending on another Spielberg Man. from another century. We're having special guest Jack Manning, whose British accent is going to make us sound
1: like idiots, and we're doing Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I know. What a jerk he is for having that accent. You invited him on the show. That's true. It's my fault. <laughs> I'm... I'm
2: Summer into fall is
0: Spielberg season. That's true. We we don't have any other Spielbergs coming up before the. As far as our schedule up, so that'll be our.
1: We're obviously going to do Crusade at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, a full one tenth of our first 50 episodes will have been Spielberg. What about Raiders or
2: Jurassic Park? We've done Raiders. Jurassic Park's our first
1: episode. We did Jurassic Jurassic Park's our first episode.
0: (laughs) Yep. We've done Jurassic Park. We've done Raiders. We've done Temple of Doom. We've done this. And we're doing. Catch me if you can. So that's our. Th- those are our five Spielbergs, and there are some great directors we haven't gotten to. We need to. We need to, we need to expand in, the, in our next fifty. We need to up our Scorsese. We've only done what? Goodfellas. We've only done one Scorsese. I Jeez. mean, we have. I mean, we're we're getting to a single James Cameron eventually. Uh, we're doing. Please no. We're getting to. We're getting to one Cohen Brothers
2: Terminator and just call it.
0: Just- Listen. the The modus operandi of this show is that we're gonna watch. Every single movie ever made—the good ones, the bad ones, the in-between ones. So we're not ready to reveal which which uh, which Cameron we're doing, but it's one of his more popular ones. Uh, we'll say that. But yeah, there are a lot of great directors that we haven't gotten to, and there are a lot of directors that you know maybe. I mean, the guy who directed the Sam Lot. Like this is his only movie. So you know we've we've done a Mark Webb. We haven't done the Coen Brothers yet. Man, he's he's one for one. He'll always be one for one. That's true. It, it literally bad of the thousand. Yeah,
2: you do. David Michaud. I want in.
0: Okay. What what movie? Mm,
2: Animal Kingdom.
0: Okay, we'll cool we'll beans. pencil you in. We'll, I don't know how, how long it's gonna take us to to get to that, but uh, well, I mean you'll you're in, you're in our rotation now. You'll uh, we'll we'll send you the list as we as we get going.
1: Yeah, I like I like the rotation. I like yeah. that. I like we how, have our, I like, we have our people. Yeah, I like that. We have
0: that. the we have the, uh, the greatest movie of all time academy. Yes. So, Great you July. Into,
2: into Australian cinema,
0: you, you hit me up. Oh, well, I mean, you know a Mad Max is happening sooner rather than later. OG or new? If you, all of them. Every single movie ever made. What do I understand about that? Yeah, no, Ronit, I'd be, I'd be surprised. Unless someone claims Fury Road before, uh, before we get to it, uh, before you do, I'm, I'd be surprised if you didn't jump right on that. But anyway... That has been
1: our episode on... And, and, I just want to say quickly... Okay. I know, the, I know everybody's waiting to hear what I have to say about food for this movie. Just eat some fucking barbecue. Just eat some hot dogs. See, I would say, I would say a lobster roll. Oh, c- c- get out of here with the seafood. It's always a seafood with this guy. When have I said seafood before? Every, every single episode. I you said look Blade at- Runner with no, no, scotch no, you and a you cigar. Look at me, you look at me in the eye and your eyes tell me fucking sea insects.
2: I will say, Derek, I am with you, um, and not just to disagree with Rick, but actually I did, as I was watching it, just in the beginning of the movie, I thought of the, um, it made me want barbie, it made me want, it made me smell like the boardwalk and summer, summertime smells like, yes, burgers and, and dogs on the grill that's what you that's what you um like sort of smell and feel and I was like oh yeah I want barbecue like I was like no I even thought thing I thought to myself I was like next time I watch this I should get like a burger and dog and like pick up some fries or something
1: yes while
2: I eat it the second half of the movie while they're at it see whatever the fuck they were eating looks disgusting next time you watch it whatever was on those plates I'm like and what's his face Brody was taking Dramamine for motion sickness, for, for the sea sickness. I like the combination of quince alcohol, whatever was on those plates, and the ocean. I don't know how Brody didn't just vomit everywhere. <laughs> right. He just sputum chunks.
1: That may have been the one, maybe the downfall of the movie. Maybe that was my worst thing, is that nobody threw up on the boat. I find that hard to believe.
2: No one threw up, especially if you look, next time you watch it, look at that plate. I cannot <laughs> for the life of me figure out what that is.
1: So basically, we need an actor who has a very strong stomach like Brody. I'm, I'm going to be fucking enjoying my lobster roll. Good for you.
0: It is. It is good for me. <laughs> good. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed our episode on Jaws. Join us next time for Ghostbusters. But I have been your co host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co host, Rec, The big deck Bosky himself. The big and, deck Boski. And we have had. As a guest, Runita Sone, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, it It is been your honor. Been an honor having you. Well, everyone, show me the way to go home. I'm tired, and I want to go to bed.
2: It's behind you.
0: Jaws. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws. I didn't know what else to say. You guys said, you guys said cool things. Jaws.
1: <laughs> good night, everybody. Keep <laughs> watching. watching.